Welcome to the Neil World Order Podcast on a chilly night, Super Bowl Eve here in uh, Wisconsin. Speaking of chilly, you know, like those things when life just kind of happens. You know, it's, I guess it's all part of being an adult and a homeowner. Uh, yes, a couple days ago, the furnace was making a weird noise. I didn't think it was anything big. You know, I kinda, we kind of Googled it, said, oh, change filter, change filter. We got to be better about that. Um, I'll admit we're not the best people probably on the upkeep of that. So um, the wife comes downstairs and um, she's like, oh my God, it is so cold down here. And clearly the furnace isn't working because it's like 62 degrees or something downstairs, which is really cold, especially when it's like 10 degrees out today. It was, we went from having a pretty nice week here to last night, temperatures just dropping off really bad. So the furnace was turd city and of course you know it only does that on days like saturday when furnace places you know and hvac places aren't open because then they can hit you with emergency service calls you know and charge you three times over what is probably already super expensive right now like everything else fortunately for us i we have some very great friends um friend of mine was awesome enough to come over here um we replaced the motor which was actually something i thought would be like oh my god the craziest undertaking the hardest part was finding it one um and then we so we spent like a lot of time on this trying to find the part then driving about an hour to go get it uh replacing it he gave up like his whole saturday to help me terry you're awesome um I kind of learned something, so I was like, oh, wow, this actually, the hardest part is actually getting it out and getting it back in, not actually swapping out the motor. Um, found out there's, we have heat now, but uh, we found out there's maybe another issue with something, but the house is warm now. Um, we're not going to freeze to death. And, you know, of course, like I said, it only happens on Saturday. It only happens when the temperatures are really cold, and, uh, you know, it wouldn't happen when it's, like, nice out. But, um, anyways, so like I said, it's, so yeah, that's, I got another guy coming to look on Monday, so I'm sure we'll be good. Uh, just feel, you know, at the same time I was telling Kai, I was like, yeah, we're still fortunate, whatever this costs, we'll be able to take care of it, and it'll be fine. You know, I feel for people that maybe are in these situations, and there's nothing they can do, because it'd be like, oh, wow, that would really suck. You know, like I said, I had a, I have a really good friend who pretty much can do anything, and he was able to help me out. So, like I said, Super Bowl weekend. Um, the game, I think the game starts at like 5.30 tomorrow. I'm Central Time, so maybe different for you guys. Um, we got the Bengals versus the Rams. I'm rooting for the Bengals. I honestly don't care. I hate OBJ. I don't like Matthew Stafford. Um, so that's really... And the Beng the Bengals are a cool story. I mean, Cincinnati would be cool if they won the Super Bowl. You know, I, I, I can't get on board with this whole, whole route for Matthew Stafford nonsense just because he played for Detroit all those years. He wasn't, like, great every year there. Um, you know, so why, why all of a sudden, because he's on a loaded roster, do we have to treat him like he's next-level superstar? But anyways, so... Uh, anyway, I lost my train of thought. But anyways, just, so I'm thinking about Matthew Stafford. I'm like, 
Barry Sanders was a lion all those years too, and he didn't get to go get traded somewhere to. He actually retired because the Lions would not trade him, and he was tired of losing. Um, so yeah, I'm rooting for the Bengals all day. Um, interesting fact: Did you know if Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl tomorrow, he becomes the first quarterback in NFL history to win a Super Bowl, a national title? the Heisman Trophy, and be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. You know, and of course, with the Super Bowl tomorrow comes all the cool commercials. Uh, my favorite part is usually the movie trailers. It used to be a bigger deal, I feel like, with the commercials. Now it seems like they leak on the internet beforehand, which is kind of weird considering these people pay all this money. Like, it goes up to, like, what, five, ten million for 30 seconds every year. And now they drop them before the Super Bowl, so you can watch them, you know, um, a couple days before we. Before the, I know in Vegas they used to actually do bets on what company would have the first commercial. You know, it was usually sometimes it would be like, you know, I feel like all for years it was always Budweiser, and then it would be like maybe a car company or movie trailer. And now it sometimes it's some random ass company that like just. You know, I'm guessing it'll be a Pfizer COVID commercial. If you want the truth, telling everyone to go get their poison, um, whatchamacallit, uh, vaccine or whatever. I'm kind of looking forward to the trailers. I don't really know what to expect. I'd be lying if I said I uh, was keeping up with it. I don't think there'll be another Batman one. I heard there's going to be a trailer for the Lord of the Rings. I think they're doing a TV series. I don't personally really care. I never got into Lord of the Rings. I was actually talking with somebody online about that. It was like, give me a popular opinion that people like... Sh like I, Those movies were boring as fuck. Like, I appreciate the filmmaking aspect. But story-wise, it's just like, bleh. You know, it's almost kind of like the Star Wars stuff. Like, everyone gets into, sucked into every new Star Wars thing that comes out. And it's like... Even sometimes when I go back and watch the originals, they weren't really that good. And I'm probably going to be shunned for saying that, but anyways. But yeah, I'm guessing there'll be, you know, maybe the Doctor Strange trailer. They'll drop another one of those. Um, maybe Morbius. Maybe something we didn't even think about. Maybe like Blade or the Thor. But um, it's probably something that's going to be on Netflix, you know. And it's kind of crazy if you think more and more about the... Uh, whole cancel culture and everything going on so they've been working on joe rogan forever to cancel him like we talked about you know and they went from him being a purveyor of misinformation which is kind of like the left's new word because they're stupid anything they don't agree with is misinformation even though politicians lie the news lies everything i guess like entertainment personalities are to be held to a higher uh, standard apparently than politicians and journalists. So then you know they tried to cancel him for the dropping the N word and saying some stuff about Planet of the Apes when being in the ghetto or something. Like it, it was all stupid. So the counter to that is the halftime show at the Super Bowl is Dr. Dre, Snoop, Eminem's or <laughs> Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and I believe Kendrick Lamar and some other people. So and I started thinking about this, and I was like, okay, so let's be clear. Joe Rogan said it 10 years ago, and the libs wanted to pull him completely from Spotify. But Dre and Snoop have made millions saying, and I have no problem with the word. Okay, like, 
it's context, people. Context matters. I'm not one of those people we talk about sometimes. Words don't offend me. Call me whatever you want. Say whatever you want. It doesn't offend me. If you get offended, that's on you. It's never on the person who offended you. It's your choice to be offended. Um, but then, so they wanted to pull Joe Rogan. But on the most watched television program of the year, they're going to put people on there who've made a career of saying this. And I'm not hating on Dr. Dre. I love Dr. Dre. He's a genius, self-made. He's literally the American dream. Um, you know, Dr. Dre is from the streets of Compton, and he went from there to having a net worth of $800 million. That's like almost a billion. Oh, that's crazy. That's like Vince McMahon money. Uh, Forbes broke it down in an article I was reading on. They, and they said, based on what he's done, the artists he signed to his label and artists he's produced and tracks he's produced. Dr. Dre makes $11,400 a day. That's nuts. There's, like, I don't think Bernie Sanders ever made that in a year as a job before he went into politics. You know, and I was thinking about that when I was, you always hear the the little Crip Walk Dre song from Still Dre. And I realized, aside from DMX, I've never really featured any other rapper. I mean, Hip hop, you you can kind of count the weekend, but you can't because the weekend's more pop. Um, so I was like, I mean, he's one of the most accomplished people on the planet. So why not talk about Dr. Dre or Andre Young? Is he was born in 1965 in Compton, California? He kind of began his journey to fame in 1986 when he joined. He and O'Shea Jackson, who you we all would learn to call Ice Cube teamed up with Eric Wright, a.k.a. Easy e and signed with Ruthless Records and formed N.W.A., which was, mm-hmm, with attitudes. Um, N.W.A. and Ice-T are kind of credited with being the originators of what would be called gangsta rap. That's with an A, not with an R. Um, you know, N.W.A. kind of told these hardcore tales of the streets from drug dealing, gang banging, um, all the other things hip-hop kind of previously had danced around and not really touched on. Um, they kind of brought a realness and a hardcore attitude at times, and it kind of made them like the media's public enemy number one, pun, pun intended. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, when Straight out of Compton, their first album was released. It hardly got any radio support. But it was a huge commercial success. And honestly, it's a must-have for any music catalog. If you like rap, hip-hop, you're, you know, just in general. Straight Outta Compton's a good album. Um, you know, the lyrical content on that album actually garnered a warning letter from the FBI due to the group's violent words towards law enforcement. Uh, you know, NWA had fucked the police. Uh, you know, and they sang about shooting cops and stuff. You know, I think a lot of it, it, it was perspective. You know, you had to look at how these, I'm not condemning or condoning what they're saying. I'm not, it's art. You know, they're not, they weren't out, they were, these guys weren't out living, you know, doing the things they said. They were singing, you know, I guess rapping about the things they had witnessed. Um, you know, and NWA, uh, unfortunately wouldn't last, uh, as there were almost problems from the get-go over money, 
uh, with Easy E and uh, other people at Ruthless Records not sharing profits and money not trickling down to the other members, which Ice Cube would leave after the first album, uh, and it, right in eighteen nine before nineteen eighty nine before the release of their second album, um, N Words for Life, which a good portion of that album was spent dissing Ice Cube. I think they they would refer to him as Benedict Arnold and stuff like that, you know. And it was literally like just a diss album, but a good album in its own. Um, it would be their last release, so they honestly really only released two albums. Uh, and the EP, 100 Miles and Running. Uh, you know, the disputes over money would continue, and eventually everyone went their own ways. And this kind of was how Dre became, came into business with the infamous Suge Knight, who was actually Dr. Dre's bodyguard at one point. Um, and the story goes he allegedly intimidated, for lack of a better word, Easy e into signing the release papers to release Dr. Dre from his contract with Ruthless Records, and then Dre and Suge Knight would go on to form Death Row Records, and well, we all know the history of Death Row, which actually, I saw the other day, Snoop Dogg actually purchased Death Row Records, so he actually owns Death Row Records now. Um, following his signing with Death Row, where Dr. Dre would be the featured artist, he would release The Chronic in 1992, which is crazy to make me think that album is that old. And it would go on to monumental success uh, with the first hit, Nothing But a G Thing, uh, which was a collaboration with uh, a new artist at the time by the name of Snoop Doggy Dog. Um, strange fact that I had no idea, The Chronic is actually the sixth best-selling album of all time. That's crazy. I mean, if one for it to be a a hip-hop album, um, and you think of all-time album sales, and it's probably going to stay there because nobody buys stuff anymore. It's all downloads and streams. Um, you know, and it's a pretty big deal for a solo release from a hip-hop artist. You know, it was the launching pad for Snoop, uh, and we all know, you know, what Snoop's since gone on to accomplish. You know, Dre was the producer behind Snoop's Rise to the Top, you know, and he would be like the most sought-out hip hip-hop producer, and probably still is, um, as he would pr produce uh, Snoop Dogg's first album, Doggy Style, the soundtrack for the film Above the Rim, the Friday movies, all the while introducing us to artists like Nate Dogg, Dillinger, Corrupt, Daz, and many others, and perhaps a guy you heard of by the name of Eminem. Uh, Dre would be instrumental in eventually getting Tupac signed to death row and released from jail when Suge fronted some money to, to cover some bail for Tupac, for some trouble he'd been in. Um, Tupac would release his greatest album, I think, uh, All Eyes on Me, produced by Dre, uh, the double album on Death Row Records. You know, they had California Love with uh, Tupac and Dre and the whole Thunderdome video. Then you had uh, Tupac and Snoop do uh, America's Most Wanted, which was really cool. I think that's what the song was called. I feel like that was an Ice Cube song, but I could be wrong. Um, you know, but eventually in 96, Dr. Dre left Death Row over contract disputes and concerns over the shady business dealings of Suge Knight, who was more or less a gangster, wannabe gangster. Like, he was just a criminal. Um, he would form Aftermath Records after a so-so start. Um, 
Interscope record label president Jimmy Ivey and asked Dr. Dre to meet with a white rapper from Detroit, Eminem. And Dre would produce three songs from Eminem, and then 98, when the Slim Shady LP was released, you know, Eminem soared to unexpected heights. Uh, the album was a huge commercial success and was critically acclaimed as well, believe it or not. I remember uh, back when I was in college, I used to get Rolling Stone magazine. And sometimes you'd hear about things kind of before they happened and stuff, and it was talking about Dre. Work. I remember reading an article about Dre working with this white rapper, and Dre saying this is going to be one of the best talents, you know, the rap game. And I just, I just, I remember because shortly after, my name is was dropped by Eminem, and I was like, oh wow, this guy is, you know, and Eminem brought something different to rap as far as like, you know, it wasn't all bragging about money and hoes. It was, his, you know, his, he was kind of self-deprecating, um, you know, and it kind of told a whole other you know, the wrong side of the tracks kind of rap, and I think it resonated with people because it was catchy and witty and funny and dirty and dick and fart jokes, and, you know, he kind of made fun of everyone. Um, Dre would release another singles, his another solo album, the release of 2001. It was his second solo effort. Uh, it was, you know... Like most Dre, Dre loves it is all about the collaborations, you know, and he worked with everyone from Eminem, Snoop, Mary J. Blige, Exhibit, Nate Dogg, and others. You know, it had the hits Still DRE, What's the Difference, and, and Forgot About Dre that Eminem was on. I love What's the Difference. That's one of my favorite Dre songs. Um, he was always good with his money when he wasn't being ripped off. Uh, one such great decision was when he backed the headphone company Beats. He was very reluctant at first, as Dre never saw himself as uh, uh, somebody to do endorsements and put his name associated with a product. There was actually a cool uh, special on HBO. It was about random people, and one of them was on Dre and the whole Be how Beats came to be and all that. Totally worth checking out. I mean, Dre got involved with this company, which ultimately reinvented headphones, or what we know about headphones. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I have two pairs of Beats. Uh, they're amazing. The best wireless headphones I've ever had. I got, you know, the big over-the-ear pair and some earbuds that have, like, the clips to hang on. Um, I highly recommend Beats if you like quality. I know they're pricey, but they're worth it, so... I'm hoping Dre kills it on Sunday. You know, sometimes hip-hop rap doesn't translate so well to live. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a throwback. There could be half the... It, it should be interesting to see what... You know, people crap on the Super Bowl halftime show regardless of it. And I think, thankfully, we'll always have the Black Eyed Peas as the worst Super Bowl performance in, in history. You know, one, because they suck in general. And two, that was just a shit performance. Um, so... You know, I'm anxious to tune in and watch that and see how it turns out and, you know, check out some Dr. Dre or whatever. So, I guess going from rap to crack, um, the other day it was revealed that the Biden administration, and this is real, and I, don't, I can't believe I'm saying this in our lifetime, I can't imagine the people that, like, went our grandfathers and so forth that fought in World War II having to live in the day and age where the government will be using $30 million in taxpayers' money to, 
part of 30 to distribute clean free crack pipes and other drug related items in areas of high substance abuse issues in an effort of course to create racial equity i hate this whole equity like shut up like so like it's almost like they're saying we can only give crack pipes to black people because they're the only ones that smoke crack which is kind of stupid when you say it out loud that way and uh Sorry, I was thinking. And, I mean, and you see, this is obviously what Biden thinks of the black community. I mean, hey, they need more drugs and clean crack pipes. Um, it, it's ludicrous, not the rapper. Um, in his first week of office, Biden repealed an order by Trump that had lowered prescription medicines, especially um, affecting the prices of EpiPens and insulin, causing those prices to skyrocket. But now he's going to give out free crack pipes. And, you know, maybe I'm looking at, maybe part of it is having Hunter as a son. Crack holds a special place in his family's heart. I mean, and after all, Biden loves making big pharma money. Look at the stock prices for Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson, uh, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson pre-pandemic. And look at them now, you know. And, and to an extent, if you think about it in the long game, I get the crack thing. Listen, now just listen, don't hear me out. I mean, if, if Biden is honestly serious about running in 2024, he's going to need people to be high as fuck on crack to consider voting for him or any of the Democrats that matter. And I'm not talking about the ones that are dead in Chicago and always vote Democrat. Seriously, though, say that out loud. Think about it. Talk to people about it. Free crack pipes. So in 40 years, we went from Nancy Reagan and the Just Say No to Drug campaign to crack pipes for everyone. Like, seriously, what the fuck? You, you honestly have to ask, like, how, how did this happen? How did we let this happen? How is this acceptable? How is this not like I always go back to the stuff Trump would get buried in the press for shit that never happened shit he never did shit he never said Biden does crazy shit literally says crazy shit literally shits his pants in front of the Pope sat on TV the other day and said disregarded the report from the you know, Department of Justice staff that said he botched Afghanistan He's a fucking idiot, yada yada, and he said, "Well, I reject that." Well, I can reject cauliflower, but that doesn't mean it's not good. You know, it's just—it's amazing, in in a sad way, it's amazing. But you know what? Never let a good crisis go to waste. So, in honor of the crack pipes, check out our merch shop and get your building crack better tea. Uh, these are sold pretty well. Apparently, people are really fond of cool t-shirts or maybe they're fond of crack and uh you know get yourself one there's plenty of cool other shirts in the retro lounge as well you know and it's i don't know man it just it makes me scratch my head you know you're like why are the world changes sometimes i think for the worst every day now and not not just crime drugs attitude just just as a whole 
Um, I was reading an article the other day. I actually read articles, not books, articles. And it was talking about um, how very high, if not uh, record numbers of teachers are leaving education. Uh, same with law enforcement, nurses, other healthcare workers. Kind of makes you wonder, right? I mean, I get it. Law enforcement, I totally get. I mean, think about it. As if their job wasn't already hard enough. They have been demonized by the idiot liberals for years. Uh, everything they do is under a microscope. Whatever they do seems to always be wrong in the eyes of the media, and they're going to get crucified for it. It's ultimately, I guess like all those other jobs I mentioned, it's a thankless job. You know, and on top of that, imagine being a cop in a blue liberal defund the police state. All those things I mentioned they have to deal with are a hundred times worse. You know, you think about all these situations from, uh, you know, Michael Brown and Ferguson, where he literally took the cop's gun and they made it seem like the cop shot an unarmed good kid who was going to graduate and cure Alzheimer's. I mean, Michael Brown was a scumbag. The world is way better that he's dead. Uh, you had Jacob Blake, who was going to who was resisting officers, not following directions, eventually went to pull a knife. And the biggest crime there is that he lived. And I've said that forever, yeah. They shot him seven times. You know, it's unfortunate their aim wasn't better. You know, and like I said, police will shoot an armed man with a, mile, a record a mile long, and the media will get his mama on TV holding his fifth grade graduation picture saying, my baby didn't do nothing. You know, and people buy into it. It's stupid. You know, routine traffic stops now become like social media fodder. Everyone wants to look for some form of how they're being discriminated against or oppressed in any interaction with law enforcement. You know, even interactions that they themselves instigate with law enforcement. And I don't think law enforcement is perfect. I don't. Absolutely not. But I'll tell you what, there's far fewer bad cops than bad politicians, but nobody wants to talk about that. We want to hold these guys to such a high standard, but the people that, in theory, run this country are lying snake oil shitbags that probably need to be taken out to the public and stoned, not like with a bong with rocks. You know, and teaching is the same way. Teachers have taken the brunt of the assault for mandates handed down by all the cowards that work in administration or on school boards. And those people are fucking cowards. If you're on a school board, there's a 99% chance you're a yellow-bellied fucking coward. Um, there's been no bigger group of pussies in the past few years than school board members. You're a bunch of soft little bitches. These chicken shits will sit up high and hand out rules based on their own politics and personal agendas, and they want to work to fill your children's mind with everything except usable knowledge, you know, because you can't have that. We don't want them to think. We don't want them to be smart. You know, the students are berated with ideologies and social justice agendas, black this, trans that, gay yada yada, but, like, nobody wants to make sure Timmy can read or write or act like a civilized human being or maybe even be able to add or subtract. They'd rather fill their heads with critical race theory and stupid-ass words like equity and inclusion. I have an idea. 
let's get or include an actual education in the school day. And sure, some teachers play a huge role in the whole indoctrinating the moronic ideas. I get that. And I've mentioned it, but a lot of it, if not most of it, comes from the administration and the school boards. You know, and as much as, and the whole parents wanting to be involved in more school choices in school and what they're taught, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword for me because I would say how many of these parents that were super passionate about their kids not wearing masks were as involved in maybe seeing what their kids were learning, what their kids' test scores were, how their kids acted in class. You know, a common theme you hear from teachers and those in education that aren't lazy-ass administrators or school board members is there's no accountability, which that's a problem everywhere. On every level, in every field, everywhere in this country is nobody fucks up and goes, oh shit, that's on me. You know, like, I sometimes think it's weird. Like, it's like I don't have a problem when I fuck up and be like, oh shit. Yeah, I mean, I screw up a lot. You can ask my wife. I think the number one thing out of my mouth around here is my bad. Used to drive my last boss mad, you know, and he'd be like, I was like, ah, oh, my bad, man. I'd even say in emails, my bad. Because, like, I forget shit. I don't do shit. Shit screws up. It's on me. It ain't nobody else's fault. I'm not going to give you some excuse. I just, yeah, I just didn't do it. My bad. You know, but kids today will be, you know, they try to hold them to some form of accountability. And then you got, you know, soccer mom. Karen coming through the door with her fucking Starbucks saying, well, my kid, blah, 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 he can't expect it to do his homework. He had to play Nintendo or something. And like, you know, they'll kids will get in a fight and the no big deal. Kids will act like they'll molest each other and they, they'll get a lunch detention. Like there's no, like the shit kids get away with now. You can tell these kids don't get their asses beat. You know, and it's, yeah, the kids suck. But the parenting sucks so much worse. So as much as parents are like, oh, yeah, we should be involved. You should be involved more. But part of it includes raising kids that aren't assholes. I'm not the best parent. There's days where I'm like, wow, my kid's a fucking asshole. And I love her to death. But there's days she's an asshole. You know, maybe more than days. But, you know, and you got to look at yourself and be like, well, fuck. You know, how can I fix this? What can I do? You know, and it's no one else's fault. Um, you know, and kids didn't change over the last 30 years. Granted, the environment they're growing up in changed, but parenting changed. You know, and some of it depends on the areas you're in. Um, kids in the South will behave a little different than maybe kids in the North. Uh, you know, kids in rural communities are going to be different than kids in the inner cities. And I don't mean that some of them are working on farms and some of them are selling crack. I just mean there's different cultures and different things are important as far as respect um, you know and how discipline and how to carry yourself and how to act and I think until that's a whole well-rounded thing and you know education becomes more about teaching people to think and the politics are out of it and the agendas are out of it you know and the parents there's some things they need to be more hands-on with. There's some things they should probably be more hands-off with. I'm not going to go all in on 
parents should have complete say over everything. Because, you know, at that point, you know, I, I don't believe in micromanaging at any level. It's Micromanaging is a stupid philosophy, and it's a waste of work and manpower. It always will be. It always has been. I don't care what anyone tells you. You know, and then you take, you go into healthcare and nurses, doctors, whatever. COVID has run, you know, some people, maybe it's burnout because the hospitals are overcrowded somewhere. Um, or, you know, oh, hey, you got to keep getting these vaccine, these boosters every 15 minutes or you're going to kill people, even though you can still spread it or get it. But, you know, you're more likely, you, you can either trust your natural immunity, which will, or natural, your whatever. Without the vaccine, 99.75. With the vaccine, 99.90. Either way, more than likely, you're going to live. As of 75% of people who died from COVID had at least four more, more morbidities or whatever. I fucking botched that. Blame the whiskey. And I'm really tired. So when you think about it, Add that to all the other, I, you know, jobs nobody wants to do. I literally, and you can tell because some of it is asshole millennial liberals. Um, I saw some dipshit had some post and was like, you know, you can say they're too lazy to work, but blah blah blah. When there's no one to do this and no one, to, it, a lot of it is people are too lazy to work. You know, and the people that aren't too lazy are scared and. Because there's plenty of people to do jobs. And everyone can't be collecting welfare. I think maybe some people are just being poor and enjoying it. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, like I said, I do my delivery stuff half-time. You know, I don't I don't put in more than 20 hours a week. And I make a good money doing it. And I live fine without doing it. It's just that money's out there, you know, why it, it's... It's like the gold rush in California, man. If it's out there, go strike while the fire is hot, man. Um, you know, and more and more people are starting to do it. I see that as there's some weeks where the money is. I made more on Instacart this week than I made on both DoorDash and Instacart combined last week, you know. And some of it's my motivation. You know, I'm not going to lie. Last night, it was really cold, but the, it, it was snowing and the roads were really shitty for a couple hours. Dude, the money was pouring in. I was like, it's really not that bad. Just take my time and make bank, pick the right orders, you know, and that's how it went. Um, but yeah, that's that's the show. Um, hopefully, uh, the furnace continues to work throughout the night, as you can hear it in the background. I didn't want to turn it off. Sorry. So you guys are going to have to deal with the hum. Now that I've pointed it out, you're going to notice it. But um, at least it's at the end. Check out the merch shop. Lots of cool stuff in the Retro Lounge. Uh, lots of cool stuff on the podcast page. Uh, go Bengals. Hope everyone has a safe and responsible Super Bowl. Don't get out drunk. Call a fucking Uber. Call a taxi. Or just watch the game at home. The experience is always way better than going to a bar or something. Sorry to all my listeners who own bars, but that's just my take. All right, everyone. Be good. Later.